Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! idea and this is kind of where we're going to be flowing from this morning but there there is a inseparable union a greater reality that defines us we are entwined in the lord and that word entwined means to be wrapped twisted together entangled in such a way that in such a way as to be inseparable amen, amen. we are entwined with the Lord. Now, there is a verse in the scripture that we'll go over in just a minute. There's a verse that sounds very familiar. There's been songs written about it. I almost wanted to sing it this morning, but kind of I couldn't remember how how to fully play it, so we didn't jump into it. But in Psalms 27, in some Bibles, it's titled at the very top, "Fearless Faith." David's fearless faith. And I, I you know, I was talking to Kelsey about this a while back, but I don't know if you knew this, but when it comes to the Book of Psalms, not all the Psalms are written by David, because David was king. And here's a cool, here's the cool fact. David was king, so therefore, as king, he was in charge of so many different things. But the one thing that he made sure was important was he hired a choir director and a worship leader. And their number one job was to write songs about the Lord that could be sung in the tabernacle and be sung by the people of Israel. That was their one job. He's got people fighting. He's got people defending the name. But he's like, hey, these two guys over here, your job is to make sure we are still worshiping the Lord. And when they would write a song, when they would write it and they composed and all this, then they would go present it to David. And if, and if David was able to press in into the, to the presence of the Lord through that song, hey, okay, we're going to add that. But, it, but if it took away from the presence of God, if it, if it took away, if it took focus off of Yahweh, then guess what? It, it, no, 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 no. Our focus is on Jesus. But I love it because out of all, despite everything that David was doing, his still focus was, hey, we need to be worshiping God. Yes. So, and so I, I love this because, you know, with that being said, you know, for him to make this focus out of everything, to make this focus on, okay, we're still going to have people singing. We're still going to have the nation of Israel praying and, and seeking God's face. Where, where is our focus and where is our priority? Because just like David, we have many things. We have many balls that we're juggling. We have many plates that we're trying to keep topsy-turvy and keep from having to fall over. But still, is your focus still seeking the face of Jesus? That's why when we were singing that earlier, you know, uh, I didn't tell anybody this, but when it was coming time to what to sing, I was struggling trying to figure out, like, Lord, what, what are we supposed to sing? And there's been a lot of stuff that's happened this week. I'm like, Lord, what are we going to sing? What are we going to sing? And I'm, I just felt this desire. I just want to go back to the basics. And even this morning, I was telling Kelsey a few songs I was, you know, contemplating in my head. I'd sent Dre one. I sent her a potential two songs, and this morning a different song. And finally, I was like, listen, here's what we're going to do. And I'm like, we're just going to flow after because I, I just wanted to get back to the basis of just seeking his face. And there's nothing wrong with all the worship songs that are out there. Now, now, please hear me. I'm not saying you can't listen to the new stuff. I'm not saying you can't listen to what's out there. But, you know, there, there's just a, for me, there is that desire of, hey, I, Lord, I just want to seek your face. Lord, the way I feel right now, I just, I, I need your touch. Has anybody ever been there before? You just need, Lord, I, Lord, I need your, I got to see your face. Uh, Lord, I gotta, I gotta remind, I gotta remember who I am in you. Amen. In Psalms twenty-seven, verse one through fourteen, verse one says, "This Yahweh is my revelation, light, and the source of my salvation. 
I fear no one. Somebody say no one. I'll never turn back and run for you. Yahweh, surround and protect me. When evil ones come to destroy me, they will be the ones who turn back. My heart will not fear. Even if an army rises to attack, I will not be shaken, even if war is imminent. That's powerful. I'm going to say that again. My heart is not, will not fear, even if an army rises to attack. I will not be shaken, even if war is imminent. Here's verse four. Listen to this. Here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh. The one thing I seek above all else. I want to live with him every moment in his house, beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh filled with all delighting in his glory and grace. I want to contemplate in his temple. In the day of trouble, he will treasure me in his shelter under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock out of reach from all of my enemies who surround me. Triumph now. I'll bring him my offerings of praise, singing and shouting with ecstatic joy. Yes, I will sing praises to Yahweh. Hear my cry, David says, show me mercy and send me help I need. I hear I heard your voice in my heart say, come seek my face. There's that phrase again. Come seek my face. My inner being responded, Yahweh, I'm seeking your face with all my heart. I love how he said I'm seeking your face with all my heart. I'm not seeking your face through all my chapter reading. I'm not seeking your face through all the traditions that I'm trying to keep. I'm not seeking your face with my performance. I'm seeking your face with my heart. Verse 9 says, so don't turn your face away from me. You're the God of my salvation. How can you reject your servant in anger? You've been my only hope, so don't forsake me now when I need you. My father and mother abandoned me, but you, Yahweh, took me in and made me yours. Now teach me, Yahweh, all about your ways and tell me what to do. Make it clear for me to understand, for I'm surrounded by or surrounded by waiting enemies. Verse 12, don't let them defeat me, Lord. You can't let me fail, fall into their clutches. They keep accusing me of things I've never done, breathing out violence against me. Verse 13, yet I believe with all my heart that I will see again the goodness, your goodness, Yahweh, in the land of life eternal. I'm going to say that again. Yet I believe. Somebody say, I believe. believe. With all my heart that I will see again your goodness, Yahweh, in the land of life eternal. I'm going to go to verse 14. Last verse. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint. Who? You. You know, this is way ahead of the notes, but when you get discouraged, verse 13, this this whole chapter could be a prayer for you. But verse 13 is definitely a prayer. When you get discouraged, say in, in those moments of discouragement, I had to do this yesterday. I believe, Lord, I will see your goodness in the land of the living. I will see your goodness in the land of the living. Amen. Amen. So what's going on? This whole psalm. This whole psalm is about two different things. It's about several things, but we'll just talk about two of them for briefly. But really, the entire psalm, number one, it's about David's confidence in God. David's confidence in God. You ever been confident in something? You know, with, you know most times as human beings, we're confident in what we do best, whether it's cook a certain dish. You know, like nobody, you know, you, you know, you the Gordon Ramsay of, you know, whatever dish it is that you cook best. Or, you know, it may not be that it may not be cooking, but, you know, you may be a great driver. You're great at driving or you may be great at researching different facts or great at singing or great at, you know, uh, watching kids or great. Whatever it is that we do great. That's what we're confident in. 
you know, the best way I can say it is, you know, if you're like, well, Lindsay, what do I do great? What can you do if your eyes close? You know, what can you do if I, if I say, hey, you know, you know, on the spot, you know, I need you to, uh, you know, you don't have any preparation, you don't have any, like, you know, what can you do best without any preparation, without any resources, without any, like, without access to the internet, what can you do? Well, boom, 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 this is what I got. That's, that's what we find our confidence in. And the scripture, this, this psalm, David is showing us his confidence in God, but he's not showing us his confidence in God so he can boast or flex and say, hey, look at me. I trust God. I lean upon the Lord. No, he's showing it as an example for us to have confidence in the Lord. Amen? Confidence in the Lord. Confidence in the Lord. Somebody say confidence in the Lord. There's no better person. There's no better way. There's no better truth. There's no better light. There's no better, uh, there's no better savior. There's no better rose of Sharon. There's no better bright and morning star than Jesus. There's no better person for you to have your confidence in. Amen. Amen. The next part is the psalm. It's also about David's plea for God's presence. And this is what I want to break down this morning. Us reading this, we get to see his plea for God's presence. His plea, his cry, his, his desperation for God's presence. His desperation. Ultimately, David is more desperate for God's presence than his enemy's defeat. In this, we see that he is more desperate for God's presence than his enemy's defeat. And that's, that's if you think about it, that's, that's counterculture. That's the opposite of what we would think. If, if the enemy is coming in, we're praying, Lord, blot the enemy. Raise a standard up against the enemy. Drive them out. You know, beat them, Lord. Whoop them. Oh, you know, whatever. Whoop them bad, God. Take care of it. We're, we're praying for God to defend us. And David is saying, as much as we want God to defend us, there's something even more important. That is the surrounding presence of the Lord. David said, so basically David is understanding that, hey, I may have enemies on every side, but if I don't have the Lord surrounding me, it doesn't matter. I can pray for God to defend me all I want to, but at the end of the day, I need his presence more than his defense. Why? Because in his presence comes his defense. In his presence, remember that this morning, in his presence, we find fullness of joy. In his presence, we find peace evermore, peace everlasting. In his presence, we find defense. In his presence, we find grace. In his presence, we find mercy. In his presence, we find renewal. In his presence, we find forgiveness. In his presence, we find clarity. In his presence, we find peace that will that will bring your that will lower your blood pressure. In his presence, we find identity that will remind you whose you are and who you are and why you're here and what you're capable of. In his presence, we find who that we've always been and who we can always be. In his presence, we have it. We, we get our capacity enlarged to do what we are supposed to do on this earth. In his presence is what you truly need. And David is saying, hey, I have all this other stuff going on, but what I really need, God, is you. What I really need is your touch. Lord, I, I'm seeking your face. Why? Because I need your presence. I need your presence. You ever needed the presence of God before? Have you ever needed his presence to the point you're just like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I just need you. I just need you. Amen. Amen. I love this because David is more desperate for God's presence than his enemy's defeat. What are we more desperate for? See, desperation, ultimately desperation is extreme passion. 
Extreme passion. So David, he has this extreme passion for the presence of God. What do we, what, what to our, the most extreme passion that you, that you have, what, what is it for? Is it for to be financially free? Is it to have the great job? Is it to have, is it to be married? Is it to find the significant other? Is it to have a great house? Is it to have a Tesla? If y'all remember Tuesday night, I, I told y'all that's, you know, and I still do that yesterday on my route after everything that happened, the Lord, the Lord gave me like a, a nice little wink. You know, there's a Tesla out there in the rural area. And I knew it was the Lord because Teslas don't belong out there in the country, but here comes this Tesla driving by now, just waved at him, you know, if y'all, if you, if you, didn't hear it Tuesday night, but, you know, just preparing, letting them know, getting used to the, getting used to waving at, you know, the people that have something in common with me, you know. God will bless me one day with that, and he'll bless, He'll provide the electricity to our house to charge it whenever it needs to charge. Somebody's like, are you going to drive that cross country? No. First off, I ain't going cross country in the car. I'll fly, thank the Lord. But, you know, no, you know, but, you know, here to Jackson, there ain't no wrong driving the Tesla here to Jackson. Maybe, no, I, I was about to say maybe Memphis, but no, no. We'll do Nashville. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't driving Tesla in Memphis. Shoot, unless I padlock it, you know, whatever. But there's nothing wrong with desiring these things unless they are your extreme desires. There's nothing wrong with desiring these things unless you desire these things more than the presence of God. Well, Lindsay, that's a given. I would never desire my house more than God. I would never desire my job more than God. I would never desire my significant other than God. Yeah, we say that, but our actions say otherwise. Our actions say otherwise that when we are without these different things, our countenance changes. So I could, I could step on toes and say our mood changes. When we don't have the coffee, our mood changes. When we don't have the bacon and the food at the right time of day, our mood changes. Or when we don't have people applauding us and clapping, it, clapping us up, when we do the details, our mood changes. When we don't have the money to pay for this or that, our mood changes, our countenance changes. And unfortunately, watch this, our confidence changes. And really, it should show us that in those moments when our confidence changed, that's when we're like, Lord, I'm, forgive me because my confidence wasn't in you. And see, the devil loves to beat us up in those moments. I thought you had faith in God. Look at you, you ain't got faith in God. If you did, then, you know, you're, you're just like what Pastor Lindsay said. Your mood's changing, all these different things. Your thoughts are changing. Your thoughts are slipping. And, all. and in those moments, the devil loves to beat us at where we're at. But we're not, we're not bound to stay there. You're not bound to stay there. In those moments when you realize, you know what, my confidence isn't in God. That's when you could just quickly say, okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me place my confidence in you. Lord, help, Lord, deal with my unbelief. Lord, I want to believe, so deal with my unbelief. Place my confidence in you, Lord. Place my confidence in you. Don't place my confidence in the way things has always been. Don't place my confidence in the way things has always been. Amen? Amen. I love this because, you know, the, you know, ultimately there's, you know, like I said, there's nothing wrong with all these different desires for the materialistic things that we live for in this world or that we, that we get to partake of in this world. But at the end of the day, you know, desperation, it stems from an extreme desire. Desperation stems from extreme desire. And Jesus said that, you know, when it comes to extreme desires to live this life, you got to lose it. Cause if you're trying to live this life, if you're trying to make this life on your own, then you will lose it. But if you lose this life, if you genuinely, and, you know, as a kid, I struggled to understand what that meant because I'm like, man, that's how, what do you mean lose this life? Nobody wants to lose. 
Nobody wants to be last. Yeah, look, you can ask my kids that. You ask them, hey, who wants to be last? They know what, they're not going to raise their hand. They, they, they fight going down the stairs. Who's going to get down the stairs first? They fight who's going to get to the water fountain first to get a cup of water. They, everything is a competition. We have to say all the time, it's not a race. And watch this. If one of them is losing, it's not a race, brother. You know? <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> it's not. But if you was in the lead, you wouldn't be saying that. You know, and if the other one's in the lead, it's not a race, Bubba. Daddy, brother's racing. Oh, he is. How you know he's racing, huh? <laughs> we live in this, we, you know, and we do this to ourselves when somebody gets blessed. Well, God, why are they winning and not me? Lord, why has that church got 50,000 people and we just got what we got? Lord, why? why? Lord, Lord, hey, hey, Lord, I don't know if you see what's going on right here. Why, why, why? We're always in this competitive mode. We're always in this comparison state. And Jesus said, living in that type of world, filtering your life through that type of lens, you'll lose your life. You'll lose it trying to compare and trying to achieve and trying to fight and trying to win and beat somebody else out. When I first started the job that I have, one of the things the Lord kept reminding me, had had to keep reminding me, it still reminds me, Lindsay, don't worry about what's going on in the other lane. Because I would look at somebody else and they're about, they're almost about ready to leave. And here I am, still got all this stuff I got to work up. And I'm like, Lord, I'm going to be here forever. I want to go. I see where my kids get it from. I'm like, oh, so ready to go. So ready to get out of here. Ready to get on the road. And running, 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 running. And he would say, Lindsay, don't look at somebody else's lane. Church, don't look at somebody else's lane. Church, don't look at somebody else's lane. Don't look at somebody else's lane. The greatest runners don't worry about who's, who's right to the right or to the left on them. They just have their mind focused on one, on one direction, and that's where's the finish line. That's where I'm looking. Where's the finish line? That's where I'm looking. And even the ones in the marathon that had the multiple runners, their direction is where's my partner? Okay, I'm just running, to, I'm running through them. Not running to, because it's, if they run to their partner, once they get to the partner, they stop, but they imagine them running through that way they're able to pass the baton correctly and effectively without dropping it. Because if the baton drops, the race is over. They're disqualified. So they have to imagine that, okay, what I'm doing, I have to get through. So I can't worry about what's going on to the right. I can't worry about what's going on to the left. Well, what is your extreme desire What's your, what's your most extreme desire? David, David, his extreme desire, he wants to experience the full beauty and power of God's face. I don't know if you recognize verse 4, but literally, I'm going to reread it again. But if you know, it says, here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh, the one thing I seek above all else. I want to live with him every moment in his house, beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to contemplate in his temple. This may sound familiar because the versions we grew up with, you know, David said, one thing that I desire from the Lord, that one thing that I may seek first, that I may dwell in his house and acquire in his temple and behold. We didn't know it back then, but there's that word behold. Come and behold him. We didn't know back then. It hadn't been written. God was setting us up even back then. And behold the beauty of the Lord. Dre's looking at me funny. The only reason I got that memorized is because we had a song about it. It's easy to remember scripture when you got a song. One thing that I desire from the Lord, that one thing that I seek first, 
that I may dwell within his house and inquire in his temple and behold the beauty of the Lord, wonderful Savior, wonderful Savior. Sing it with me, go it. I love that. You know, I, I can't, I, Donnie, would, I, I might have to go pull that back up and put on my throwback Christian playlist. But David, he's saying that the one thing that I desire, the one thing. So he literally, he is pleading God. He wants to experience the full beauty and power of God's face. So he pleads to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. See, in Jesus, your face is unveiled as you gaze upon him. Why? Because it's like a mirror. You're able to look at him and not see who you currently are, but see who you were made to be. Jesus is free of guilt. You were made to be free of guilt. Jesus is free of shame. Oh, I feel this. You were made to be free of shame. Jesus, Jesus isn't sick. You were created not to be sick. Well, Lindsay, I go through, I go through spells of colds or flus or COVID or whatever it is. Yes, you may endure those things, but they don't have to rule and reign in your body. As he is in this world, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. He's not just some stoic figure that we can look upon and think about the good time. No, as he is, if he is active, actively working, actively doing what he does best, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. David literally, he wants to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I won't pronounce that word in the Greek, but literally the word gaze means to means to literally to uh, to peer into a reflection, to mirror oneself, to mirror oneself. So as we gaze with childlike wonder, it's got to be with childlike wonder. You can't gaze like an adult because, see, you know, when an adult gazes on something, we're constantly thinking about, okay, how does this how, how does this point back to me? What's this got to do with me? Adults are more self-centered than children. And it's hard to say because it's hard to be like, Lindsay, really, have you listened to kids? Well, Daddy, when we're going to do this, when we're going to do that, when we're going to do this. But Jesus understood that it took childlike wonder for faith really to unlock. Why? Because kids, you ever listen to the conversation of kids? Oh, man, it'll make you, it'll make you laugh. What they believe will work and what they believe won't work. The other day, Kellen was with me. He was asking how that, you know, how my allergy. He, he already he already figured up in his mind how allergies worked, and he was asking me all the different things I'm allergic to, and uh, and uh, then you know, so I'm telling about peanut butter and da 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 da. And he said, "What about eggs?" I was like, "Well, Daddy used to be allergic to eggs." Oh, okay, so you so that's why you ate eggs at Waffle House with with us. I said, "Yeah, that's why." He said, "Yeah, but you don't fit uh, brother's peanut butter and jelly lunch otherwise, because you get close to the peanut butter and boom, you start sneezing." <laughs> and I, I didn't even bother correcting him. I just laughed. I'm like, yeah, sure, buddy. We'll go with that. And uh, then he went and told his brother, like, nah, he can't fit your peanut butter lunch because, boom, he's going to start sneezing. And I'm like, boom, boom, a chew, boom. But childlike wonder, it is something that is beautiful. And to gaze upon Jesus, you need childlike wonder. You need, you need childlike wonder. Lindsay, how do I have childlike wonder? Easy. We said it earlier. Every box that you have placed God in, remove him from it. Every, every stigma that you think that you perceive God to be, just remove him from it. Easiest way to do it is say, hey, God, Lord, I, I know what I've been taught. I know what I've been raised in. I, Lord, I, I know what I think I know. 
But Lord, show me who you really are. Hey, Jesus, show me who you really are. Lord, if what I think is, if who I think you are, if that's not right, correct it. Correct it. You know, if if we're struggling to see on the physical realm, what we do, we're going to go to the eye doctor, get tested. I, you know, I went to the eye doctor, uh, what was it, last month or something like that, and I had a shocking revelation, you know. Before I went to the eye doctor, I thought I'm, my vision, I'm like, yeah, you know, I could, you know, I thought I was Superman, could peer through x-ray vision and see all these different things. And, you know, they're like, okay, read this line. I'm like, yeah, whenever you want to start. That's what I say. Yeah, whenever you want to start, you just let me know. You know, I try to play it off. Like, you go and start. I'm like, uh, which line again? Well, just read the, just read the. One you can see. So I read the one I can see. Okay, now read the one underneath it. I'm like, I thought that was the one underneath it. So I, yeah, I read it. And uh, okay, you know, put one hand over this eye. I'm like, okay, boom. I'm like, all right, still got it. All right, hand over this eye. I was like, oh, man. Oh, snap. So when the doctor come in, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm like, I've never had that happen before. And uh, so I tell him, like, hey, you know, that's never happened before. He said, oh, you know, I guess it's farsighted where, you know, you can't see as far. And uh, I was like, oh, he said, but the level that you have, it's, it's nothing to be alarmed about. I said, okay, 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 we're good. But, you know, still, you know, when we have those problems, we instantly will go to the eye doctor and get corrective lenses. Why? Because we want to be able to see better. How come when it comes to God, we are so comfortable with, well, Lord, I've always known you this way. I've always worshipped you this way. I've always served you this way. I've always sung to you this way. I've always approached to you this way. So I'm, we're just going to camp out right here, Lord. If, it ain't, if my worship ain't broke, Lord, I ain't going to fix it. Lord, if I, you know, I, I feel you. I feel you a little bit here, so let's just stay here. When David is like, no, 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 the one thing I desire is to be with him. The one thing I desire is to gaze upon him. Therefore, if he's moving in a different, different direction, I want to move with him. I want to see where he's going. I want to see how he's doing. Bishop Paul is born and said, Lord, whatever you're doing, don't do it without me. So you can't have that type of prayer if you're like, Lord, if, whenever you get back over on this side, call me up. You know, when we, you know, we got friends that live all over the state, all over the, the, the country. And, you know, if they're coming, you know, uh, whenever they come this way, we got this one friend. And she travels for work. And, you know, whenever she gets in West Tennessee, she'll call us up. We tell her all the time, whenever you, get, whenever you get on this side of the state. I never tell her when she's in East Tennessee, hey, when you get in East Tennessee, call me up. I'm going to come in. Nah. But when she comes over to West Tennessee, she's like, hey, you get close to Jackson, holler at me. We'll come meet you. Holla at me. We'll come eat dinner with you. We'll go, we'll go hang out to eat. 30-minute drive. You in Memphis? Nah, uh-uh. Nah. You come to Nashville? Okay, we might be able to do Nashville. Memphis? No, no, no. Bless Memphis' heart. I love Memphis during the daytime. Just saying. That's it. <laughs> during the daytime. But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times we treat God like that. Lord, whatever you're doing over here, when, whenever you get close... Lord, feeding the hungry, that's not, that's not the type of area I want to I be about, Lord. But whenever you get over here, you know, making disciples in church or, or doing new classes at church, okay, Lord, involve me, include me. Lord, preaching the gospel to people that have, you know, opposite attractions. Lord, that, that, I'm not involved in that, Lord. But whenever, whenever you're going to, you know, instruct some new programs at church, include me. Lord, you know, you know. 
evangelizing and going on the street and witnessing to people. God, you, know, you might miss me there. I, I'm not on that side of the town, but you know. Or when it comes to talking to my neighbor, I, oh, okay, yeah, holler at me. Let me know. We, we love to box God in. And C.S. Lewis said, God is the God that you can't box in. C.S. Lewis said that, you know, he's, he's like a lion. You know, you don't, you know, you never see anybody defending a lion. You never see people come up like, oh, don't hurt this lion. Don't do it. It's shaping. Don't hurt the lion. Lion don't need you. I love it. C.S. Lewis said, lion doesn't need your defense. Amen. You just open up the cage. Step back. The lion will do what the lion knows how to do. God doesn't need your boxes. God doesn't need your stigmas. God doesn't need your preconceived notions. God doesn't need your denominations, and God doesn't need your traditions. He wants this. He wants to show you all of him. Could you imagine if he showed you all of him? We couldn't contain it. The Bible, John said that if he were to tell all the miracles that Jesus did, there's no amount of books on earth that contain, that could contain, that could even come close. Imagine if he were to show you more than what you know now. Imagine the level of freedom you would walk in. Lindsay, why do I want to walk in freedom? Why do you want to be bound? See, if we're walking in the level of freedom, then when people say something to us, and I'm definitely talking about this, when people say something to us, you know what's going to happen? In one ear and out the other. Honestly, probably you want to make it into the ear. You'd be like, oh, 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 what, huh? Sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm just focused on the glory of the Lord. What? Focus on the glory of the Lord. Yeah, let me, let me show you. He's all around. Let me, let me show you what the glory of the Lord is like. Let me show you what the presence of God is like. I can, I can sense in your heart right now that you're troubled, and let me give you the peacemaker. Let me introduce you to the peace supplier. Let me introduce you to the peace giver. Let me introduce you to the way maker. Let me introduce you to the healer. Let me introduce you to the forgiver of sins. Let me introduce you to the one that has the power to send your soul to heaven or hell. Jesus said it when he told the disciples and the Pharisees and Sadducees, you're worried about the wrong things. You're worried about all these different laws and precepts when really whose opinion you should be worried about is the one that has the power to send your soul to heaven or hell. We get so worried about, okay, does this church look like the next church? Next church don't have the power to send my soul to heaven or hell. Does, does, does this dress look like Pastor Mike Todd? As much as I love Pastor Mike Todd, he don't have the power to send my soul to heaven or hell. Does my car look like the Joneses' car? Guess what? The Joneses don't. You get what I'm saying? Does my job look like the next person's job? At the end of the day, whose opinion, whose report will you believe? That word believe, when we were saying earlier, you know, whose report you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. You know, we didn't really understand what we were saying. Really what we were saying is, whose report will you put your trust and confidence in? Whose word will you put your, whose word will you base all of your life on? We said it, you know, we, we said it, you know, I, I said it Tuesday night, you know, as a kid growing up, whenever you get ready to do something or you're trying to tell a story and somebody's like, you know, put it on something if it's true. You know, whose who, who's word are you putting your life upon? The safety of your children, who are they, who, 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 whose name are you putting that on? Are, are you putting it on, okay, well, if I can do this and I can achieve this and I can earn this, or are you putting the status of your life upon Jesus? <clears throat> and Jesus, and Jesus' face unveiled as we gaze upon Jesus, we get, we get to see who we truly are. 
See, looking upon Jesus, that's when metamorpho or transformation, that's when transformation truly happens. Transformation looks like the looks like image and likeness awakening within you. Transformation, what true transformation looks like, Jesus' image and likeness awakening within you. That when people yell at you, going off, you don't go off, you don't give it back to them. They may hurt, it may hurt, it will hurt, but you don't give it back to them. They cuss you out, they tell you you a low dog, you a low down, son of a gun, lower than the dirt and gravel. You don't say, well, you know what, let me tell you a thing. I'm pretty sure we all got a, you know, a doctorate degree in how to tell somebody off. You didn't have to go to school for that, but if you lived in Lexington, you learned real quick. <laughs> you, you, you didn't need no doctorate degree. Nobody has to give you permission to be like, hey, go off. You, here's my permission. Go off. I don't need your permission. I can, <laughs> da, 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 you know. But true transformation looks like in those moments when people are belittling you, you don't belittle back. When people are stuffing you down, you don't rise up and stuff them back down. Amen. True transformation looks like when the image of Jesus is awakening within you. Lindsay, what does that look like? Well, when Jesus was accused, the Bible says that he remained silent. When they brought false witnesses against him, he didn't say, hey, no, 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 that, that's not true. I, you know, the Bible, you know, it doesn't say that he started to defend himself. Why? Because his trust and confidence was in the opinion of Papa. And he knew Papa knew that he was innocent. So therefore, he knew it will all work out in the end. And that is a tough road to travel down. Ever being honest, it's, it's tough. It's tough to, you know, one of the toughest and, and most truest pieces of advice that anybody's ever told me and Kelsey was our pastor, Pastor Dell. You know, we had a situation happen. And I'm like, and obviously they were lying. And I'm like, Pastor, are they lying? They, they lying. I mean, straight Mufasa, they are lying. And he said, I know, Lindsay. And I'm like, you know? Let's, let's go. Let's roll up on them. I was, I was ready. I was like, let's clack, clack. Let's go. He said, no. He said, he said you just got to outlive it. And I said, outlive it? What's that mean? Yeah. <laughs> he said, you got to outlive it. You got to get up in the morning, and you just got to keep doing what you do. Yeah, at lunchtime, you eat your lunch. At dinner time, y'all make dinner, y'all do whatever you do, fold laundry, watch TV. Next day, you do it all over again. You do, you keep doing, you outlive it. And I was like, ah, but what if I don't want to outlive it? I said, why? He said, because he said, ultimately, in time, the truth will always prevail. Amen. He said, and if, and, if, and if you are true, then guess what? As you outlive it, in time, the truth will prevail. And uh, months from now, years from now, everybody will be able to look back and be like, oh, man. He was in the right. History will, history will be on your side when you outlive it. I'm like, in every situation, every scenario that we've had happen, I'm always reminded, okay, all right, Lord, let's just outlive it. Let's just get up in the morning and keep doing what we do. Keep taking one foot in front of the other. And in time, the truth will prevail. The truth will shine a light on all that was false. But see, that's a tough road to walk down because, you know, when, when, when the enemy comes in like a flood, oh, Lord, come on, let's raise the standard up. Let's do the shield wall. Let's bloco potoso capulatasa. And there's nothing wrong with that because there's sometimes when you just got, you got to stir yourselves up in, the, in your most holy faith. 
But David said, as much as I, as much as I desire to stir myself up, as much as I want to pray as God will intervene and defend me from my enemies, still what I truly desire, what my most, my most desperate desire that I truly need, I just need the surrounding presence of God. I just need the surrounding presence of God. We used to sing the song growing up. Surround me, oh Lord. Let your presence fill this place. I, I challenge you. I challenge you. Make that part of your prayer this week. But don't, don't, don't think of a place as the building. But think of the place as this temple. Let your presence fill. And put your hand on your heart. This place. Or put your hand on your mind. This place. Let your presence fill. This place. Let your peace fill this place. Let your joy fill this place. I mean, get specific with it. Because David is saying as much as everything that's going on, what we truly should be desiring is the presence of God. What we truly should be desiring, uh, you know, one thing that we should desire out of everything. Forget the Tesla, forget the bacon and the coffee, forget the 401k. The one thing that you should be desiring is to be in the house of the Lord. Lindsay, what do you mean by the house of the Lord? Be in the church of the God? No, because when David said this, the temple, the tabernacle had not been constructed. So what's he talking about? He's talking about, I need to be in a place where I'm surrounded by you on all sides. So the one thing that we should be desiring is I need to be in the place where I can feel God the most. I need to be in the place of God where I can experience him and I can sense him. I can look upon him in every direction, every degree, every angle. I can gaze upon him. I can behold his beauty. I can behold his majesty. I can behold his sovereignty. I can behold his glorious. I can behold his righteousness. I can behold his forgiveness. I can behold his awesomeness. I can behold his gratefulness. I can behold the morning star. I can behold the rose of Sharon. I can behold the lily in the valley. I can behold the alpha and the omega. I can behold the creator of my family. I can behold the upholder and uprooter of all things that I need in my life. I can behold him. Behold him. And David said, this is what I desire above all things else. I didn't scratch the notes, so we're just going off the Holy Spirit. But David said, this is the one thing, this one thing I desire. And listen, you got to think about it. David is the king. Somebody say king. That means he's got money. That means he's got access to everything. Listen, you know, let's be honest. If, I, if, somewhere, if somebody were to come up and bless you with, you know, $60 million dollars, you're going to be, oh, yes, uh-huh, woo-hoo. You, you know, most of us going to be like, oh, I'm going to give the Lord my portion. I'm going to give the Lord a cut. I'm going to give Jesus his little cut, give the church a little cut. I'm going to do this, do this. And then instantly we start making this list. Why? Because in our minds with that 60 million, we are unlimitless. You know, we are, we are unlimited, you know. David has all the resources that he has access to all the resources that he wants and still Still, he says, the one thing I really desire is to be surrounded by the Lord. The one thing that I really desire is to feel his presence. The one thing I really desire is to seek his face. The one thing I really desire is his touch and to see his face and to be in his presence. Amen. Amen. See, being surrounded by the presence of the Lord at all times and gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. Why? Because the source of all change is found as you behold Jesus. 
The source of all change is found as we gaze upon Jesus. A lot of times we haven't changed because we haven't gazed upon him. Because see, when the, you know, become, becoming like Christ, it's not anything you do with your hands or feet. It's what you do right here and what you allow to happen right here. We become more like Jesus by looking upon him and allowing that work, allowing what we see to come right into here. See, when my sons, when they, when they spend like Kellen and Cohen, you know, they were sick earlier last week, so they spent the days with me. And by the end of the day, me and Kellen, we was doing some of the same things and some of the same mannerisms. It wasn't because, we, you know, I sat down and said, okay, daddy likes to do this and do this. Daddy likes to sit on the couch this way, so I want you to know. As, that was, as he spent time with the one that he had the same DNA from, and he watched his father naturally it unlocked what was always in him to the point I'm sitting on the couch like this cross he's sitting on the couch like cross playing his tablet me on my phone <laughs> no it's not <laughs> he got the, he, he got that when he started beholding all those other heathens at school okay we'll say that y'all pray for him he's, he's going through something the Lord's using him <laughs> But being surrounded by the presence of the Lord at all times and gazed upon the beauty of the Lord, when we gaze upon Jesus, we, we find true change. We find our source from true change. We find our source of true change. We find our source of true change. We find our true happiness. We find our true peace. We find our true joy. There's a verse at the end of chapter 27. <clears throat> I'll just read it real quick. It's verse 14. David says this, he says, here's what I've learned through it all. So to say that phrase, here's what I've learned through it all is to sum up the whole thing. When somebody says, Listen, you know, it wasn't enough for verse four for him to say, you know, here's the one thing I desire. So he's saying everything else didn't matter. But now what he's saying as he's described his plea for God or he's desired or described his plea for the presence of God, he says, here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient, be entwined as one with the Lord, be brave and courageous, and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. Somebody say, he'll never disappoint me. David said, through it all, and here's what I learned, which means that the entire piece, the entire chapter, it's summed up to this, don't give up. Three things, don't give up. Don't be impatient, or actually four things. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Never lose hope. So five things. All that is done by us waiting on him. But I, we started earlier by, you know, the phrase of verse 14, he says, be entwined as one with the Lord. Be entwined with one, or be entwined as one with the Lord. Entwined means to literally to weave together, to come together. To come together. Earlier, you know, this morning when we was getting ready, you know, Andrea was braiding Kelsey's hair this morning. And I, as I walked by and saw that, I thought about being entwined as one with the Lord. As those strands are being entwined together. And if they're done right, guess what? It's hard to pull them apart. The wind can blow, and guess what? Those strands, they stay locked together. No matter how hot it gets, those strands, they stay locked together. No matter how cold it gets, those strands stay locked together. 
No matter how hot life gets, you stay locked in with Jesus. Be entwined. So, Lindsay, how do we be entwined with the Lord? Okay, therefore, we shift our focus and think about, okay, what causes, what, what encourages me to separate myself from God? Is it certain shows? And, and listen, it's never, it's never out in the open. It's never, you watch a show and instantly the first scene of the show says, you know, separate yourself from God. Stop trusting in Jesus. The shows don't say that. The songs don't say that. Your friends don't say that. When you text a friend and they're like, you know, you're like, hey, how you doing? What's new? They're like, oh, not much. Hey, stop worshiping Jesus. It's never that obvious. But a lot of times it's the subtleties. What do, what, what, what do the shows that we watch, what do they promote? You know, I was listening to a podcast yesterday. It was, it's been a while, this one particular show. And, I, and, you know, I was like, man, it's been a while. I need to download a new episode. So I downloaded a new episode. And it was, it's more of a comedic one. I'm driving, working, listening to it. I'm laughing a little bit. And all of a sudden, they start, the, the guy starts talking about who he perceives God to be. And uh, it was totally false. And I'm like, man, I'm driving. I, wonder, I, I know it's only going to be like 10 more minutes, and then he'll get to some more funny stuff. But I'm just like, <sighs> so I grab my phone, hit delete. I'm like, find something else as I'm working that I can listen to. Why? Because in my spirit, I'm like, that's not right. It wasn't like a, hey, you're wrong, you're right. No, it's a, hey, where you're, the, the train of thought that you're on, it is influencing a nation of people to perceive God wrongly. Not just theologically, but to perceive him as the opposite of the father that we see in Luke chapter 15, running to the edge of the world. And I'm thinking about that, I'm like, ah. That's how, we be in, that's how we be entwined with the Lord, by focusing on, okay, what's, what's, what's encouraging me to separate myself? Or what's encouraging me to believe that I'm separated from God? What's encouraging me to, to, to try to make it out on my own? What's encouraging me to make to whatever I want, whatever I desire? What's encouraging me to make it happen on my own strength, on my own merit, on my own uh, IQ, on my own status, on my own mentality, on the, on the sweat of my brow, on what I can do with my hands and feet? What's encouraging me to forge my own path without the help and assistance of the Holy Spirit? Better yet, what's encouraging me to be the son that, that left his father in Luke 15? What's encouraging me to be the other son that went to his father and said, I thought I could have all this if I worked hard enough for it. David said, David said be entwined as one with the Lord. Somebody say entwine. So I love this. I'll close with this. But David said, don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Be brave and courageous. So what's, what's what, how, never losing hope and, 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 and don't be impatient? That's me right there. That's, that's a struggle. Come 12 o'clock, it's time to eat. Hey, we'll go to the restaurant. I'm like my granny. Hey, why ain't we sit down yet? Well, yeah, what's, what's this waiter doing? Well, they got... Two tables, three tables. Okay, well, hey, they, this is their job. They know how to get to a table, so tell them, come on, let's go, let's go. Oh, he's good, I got him. But be entwined as one with the Lord. Don't lose hope. Don't be impatient. Be brave and courageous. All this is done by us waiting on him. Waiting on him. Waiting on him. Somebody say, wait on him. 
What are we waiting on him to do? I'll tell you. David says in Psalms chapter 25, verse 5, you don't have to turn that. I'm going to read it. I'm just going to read it. Verse 5 of Psalms 25, 5. What are we waiting on Jesus to do? Here's what we're waiting on him to do. David says, escort me into your truth. Take me by the hand and teach me. That's what we are waiting on him to do, to escort you by the hand. Escort you by the hand and, and escort you into truth. Take me by the hand, Lord. That's what David says. Hey, God, Yahweh, escort me into truth. Take me by the hand and teach me. How do we not lose hope? By him escorting you by the hand and teaching you how to not lose hope. I could give you scripture after scripture. I could give you application after application. But ultimately, what you truly need is to wait on him to escort you by the hand and teach you how to do whatever it is that you need done in your life. Lord, escort me by the hand and teach me how to not be impatient. Lord, escort me by the hand and teach me how to be one with you, how to remain one with you. Lord, escort me by the hand and teach me how to be brave in moments that I am scared. Lord, escort me by the hand and teach me how to be courageous when I don't have the, when I don't have the courage that I should have. Lord, escort me by the hand and teach me how to wait on you and not make decisions based off of impulse, not make decisions based off of financial need, not make decisions based off of senses or if the moon and stars are aligned, not make decisions based off of what everybody else is doing not make decisions based off of what they're doing to the right or to the left on me lord escort me and teach me lead me by the hand lord lead me by this by the still waters lord escort me down the path lord that you are you are righteous in lord escort me lead me and teach me lord walk with me lord walk with me talk with me lord watch me lord protect me be with me lord eat with me fold laundry with me pump gas with me shop at walmart with me Lord teach the little kids with me Lord be at work with me God drive down the road with me Lord be in all areas of my life Lord the one thing I desire Jesus that David said Lord let me be surrounded by your presence Lord let me gaze upon your beauty and let me be reminded that I am the head and not the tail let me be reminded that I am beloved by God let me be reminded that I am a son of God let me be reminded Lord that one day we will be together forever not based on of my merits not based off of what I've done Lord but based off of the one at the cross said I was good enough escort me and lead me escort me into your truth I encourage you write that scripture down this week Psalms 25 5 and pray it every day Lord escort me into your truth and take me by the hand Lord escort me into your truth and take me by the hand and teach me. Escort me into your truth. Take me by the hand and teach me. Escort me into your truth. Take me by the hand and teach me. Psalms 25.5. Escort me into your truth. Take me by the hand and teach me. Take me by the hand and teach me. Take me by the hand and teach me. Lindsay, I... Come on, he's not going to do that. Yes, Jesus said that's, that the Holy Spirit, the great teacher... He comes to comfort and he comes to teach you and lead you into all truth. That's what he wants to do. That's what he desires to do. Lead you into all truth. I love it because David never said, escort me into your truth and just, you know, show it to me, present it to me. No, lead me, lead me by, take me by the hand. 
take me by the hand. One of my favorite worship songs, we'll say Christian songs. I don't, I don't know if it's a full worship song. One of my favorite Christian songs, literally the, the, the words literally say that, you know, I, uh, uh, you were the one that, you know, literally took me by the hand, gave me a new name and took a chance. Lead me, escort me, escort me, escort me into truth. Take me by the hand and lead me. What do you have to lose if he's leading you? I can tell you what you have to lose when you are leading you. And Jesus said, when you're leading your life, you'll lose it. But if he's leading it, you'll find it. You'll find the very things that you truly desire. You'll find the very one that you truly desire. You will find the right type of environment that you need to be in if you're allowing him to lead you, escort you into all truth. And here's the thing, him escorting you into all truth, it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's not going to be, oh, I accept that. There's some things he's going to escort you in that you're going to be like, Lord, that hurts. Well, I don't like you revealing that, Lord. Let's go back to the good stuff. Let's go back to the soft stuff. But Hebrews 13 literally says that even in God's correction and discipline, that it's his love. You know, you can imagine if, you know, you have a small child with you and you're in the parking lot and that child takes off. We've had this happen before. I won't mention which kid it was, but one time Kelsey was holding, holding his hand in the parking lot. He decides to dart off real quick. Now, Kelsey wasn't like, hey, stop. You know, I wasn't like, hey, stop, don't do that. We were like, stop. Why? Because in that moment, it took a sense of correction. But listen, because we loved him, we're like, hey, no, 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 no. We love you enough that we don't want you to get hit by a car. We love you enough that we don't want you to get snatched up. And I've told my kids, I'm like, listen, y'all, you think you've seen daddy aggressive or mad before? Let somebody try to take you. Oh, you ain't ready for that. You thought the Hulk was something. Uh-uh. Hulk ain't got nothing on Papa Bear. You, you thought your depression and aggressions and anxiety was something? It's got nothing on the firm grip that Papa has on your heart. You thought that all the mistakes that you've made was something? It's nothing in the eyes of God to the point that his son literally said, okay, I'll go into the midst of all that and I will eliminate the guilt and shame that comes with that and I will rise above it and I will bring them, giving them all the keys of victory. Who the son sets free is not free partially. It's not free temporary. It's free indeed. You thought what you've done was bad? No. There's nothing that separates you from the love of God. Does that mean we get to go do whatever we want to do? No. But what it means is when the moments arise and you're like, ah, Lord, I can't believe I've done this. Or, Lord, I, I can't believe I had this daughter. Or, Lord, I, Lord, here I am, Lord, and it's in an unideal scenario or it's in an imperfect situation. Lord, I, I, really, God, I don't deserve this. And when we feel like the son in Luke 15, that's, Maybe let me just try to convince my father to, to serve him and to work for him. When we feel like that, just like that, we'll see the father run wherever you're at. I said it, and I, I, I said it Tuesday night. 
because my, my goal wasn't to teach about Luke 15. My goal wasn't to teach about the Father. But, and I'm like, well, what do I talk about? He's like, talk about me. He's like, talk about me. Why? Because if we can focus on him like David said, if we can make him our focus, what's left? If we can make him our focus, what's left? If, we, if you can make him your focus, it makes your anxiety, it makes your depression, it makes your trauma, it makes all the mistakes, it makes all the guilt and the shame. It's like the seesaw we talked about a few months ago. One, the, the, both sides can't be up at the same time if they're, you know, obviously unless there's no weight on them. But when it comes to your life, there's weight on either side. But if you can, if you can just, okay, God, you know what? I have all this right here, but I'm just going to choose to surround myself. I'm going to choose to make the one thing that I desire, which is to be in your presence and to gaze upon your beauty. And as that side is lifted, the other side is lowered. One thing that I desire is, Lord, that you escort me into all truth. Take me by the hand and...